0: The message. Let's get into today's message. We got some oh got lots of time. This is gonna be fantastic. So before I left, I was talking about attitudes and how, how to have a grace-filled attitude in a series called uh, The Rest of Grace. We learn our identity, discover what it means to rest in Christ, but there's more. Knowing your identity is good, and it's important, but it's only the beginning. And many people just love playing in the warm puddle in the beginning of of identity. It's just wonderful, it's playful, it's great, yes, but that is the beginning, and he wants us to grow up, to be Participants in what he is at work doing. So today, we're going to deal with the importance of experiencing and expressing a grace-based outlook, and we're going to finish up what it means to experience a grace-based outlook and attitude. So this is dealing with attitude, and I remember last time, I ended, t- ended up talking about how important it is to guard from negative thinking patterns in your mind. Now, we're not talking about joy boys who are saying, only think positive, happy, 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 and go, la, la, la. You know, and only deal with the, the really, really good stuff and not be real. You have to be honest and transparent, especially in your circumstances. You're going through a hell in life and then you say, Oh, I'm happy, everything's happy. And you're faking it because you're trying to become happy by using words. Instead, when you can realize who is in you as you walk through those dark times, Christ in you is your life. And draw from his joy, then you begin to experience something different. Or you can choose, if you want to, you can choose to think only negative. Now, some of you may think, well, I don't know how to do negative thinking. Have you ever worried about your finances? You have an incredible imagination. How many people have ever imagined themselves losing their house... Losing their jobs, having to live in a little tiny trailer in some alley, someplace, or uh, like you just the, you think the worst steps possible. Uh, the world's crashing because all this is happening and it's a fantasy. You're making it up. How many have done? Don't put your hands up because I'm sure most of us have had, at least in some category, thought through the worst possible circumstances. I remember I had that in Waterloo when I first came to Hope Fellowship. It was the scariest nine months for me personally. Because I had transitioned from a place that was secure. I had a job. Everything was great. Moving to a house. We had the neighbors from hell. I saw their horns. Okay? All three. It was, it was nasty. We promised our kids everything was going to be better in Waterloo. Everything was going to be. School's going to be better. Neighbors will be better. Better house. Oh, everything. Get to see your relatives. What were we thinking? You know, Kevin, Vicky. <laughs> it was a difficult time. And do you know why? Because I had my expectations so freaking high. And I was promising something I had no right to promise. And then I began to be fearful because our house in Fort Erie wouldn't sell. That situation still not done. Just so you know. The house is gone. All that's done. It's, it's a long story. But it's not over. There's still a headache there from that life. It's scary. So coming home, I'm getting scared that we're going to lose everything. And finally one day, Lori says something to me. You just, ugh. Mike, you're a grace teacher. <laughs> you know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> How can you think like that? Why are you so worried about the future when you're teaching us to put trust in God? What's, why don't you try it? <laughs> <laughs> I have to go out. Bye. <laughs> you avoid it. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me. There were, there were times I was even, even walking through the house and get this, because I got some Pentecostal background. I've been to enough Pentecostal charismatic churches that I walked through the house and prayed all the demons out and, you know, made sure I got some rooms extra heavy. You know, I was just, just because. I, I was doing all the things I was told to do when that was never the problem. The problem was my mind. What I was choosing to think about, where I was engaging my faith, negative faith. Oh, I had much faith, but it was negative. And then Jesus said, Are you going to start trusting me or not? I've got your future, whether you crash and burn here or there or what. I am the God of outcomes, even when it looks scary. And man, it was scary. And doing you know what's really cool, the night we moved to Elmira, into our house, it was like the stress driving into, water, into Elmira from Waterloo, the stress was just gone. And we moved into a house of peace. It was phenomenal. In fact, uh, I think it was the next morning, Lori uh, happened to be walking down the hall, looked out the window, and there was this cross out the window. It was a church steeple way far away. It's just a momentary thing. We're not into symbols so much, and yet we are. But when that symbolic thing hit her, do you know what it does? It hit me. She doesn't realize this. Because we're married. There's a connection. When you get excited about something that affects you and you share it with somebody you care about, they're affected by it. As you change, they change. In your whole family, if one person changes, it affects everybody. And we had a house of peace. And ever since then... It's been a very unique journey. We love Almighty. We love being here. We love Hope Fellowship. But it was a lesson in thinking and careful with what we're thinking. So, how do we develop a grace filled attitude? Don't judge your future by your past. Because if I look back now, I can see God's hand in all of it, I can see Him walking through all the stuff, even my bad decisions. He's still there knowing fully well what's going on and has control and has encouragement and guides and directs us. He's big enough to do that. Put away negative thoughts and words. Some people are just flat out Eeyore. They just, everything's negative. Everything's bad. You know, they get the tail swishing. And that's part of its personality. But even with a personality that's more that way, Inside, there is room to listen to the voice of Christ in you, to have a grace-based attitude. Not what the world says or what your situation says, but what's the Holy Spirit telling you? What does the Word of God say to you? Do you trust it? So today, we're going to talk about how to cultivate the habit of positive self-talk to renew your mind with God's Word. Okay, I'm going to admit something real quick. The word self-talk sounds weird, okay? Okay? It's like a counseling thing. In fact, it actually is. When I when I was going through some counseling uh, a while back, um, the counselor made me deal with some self talk. That was the most awkward thing in the world to have to talk to yourself. Like, is there somebody else in there? You know, like it's just the idea of self talk sounds really strange if you're not used to it, and especially if you have to go see somebody and they encourage you to do positive self talk. It sounds kooky. Can you trust the Holy Spirit to work with somebody even when they give you instructions you're not comfortable with? Because this pulled me way out of my comfort zone and I'm still not comfortable with it. I still find it hard. And yet I know it's powerful. And we do it in the church all the time. We encourage people to think the thoughts of God, to speak scripture back, all those things. Those are similar things. But you'd be shocked at how negative people think about themselves. How many people in this room alone, while even being positive and happy, or just moderately happy, they, they can and still have inside a switch that makes them feel shameful, not good enough, unaccepted, unvalued, there's no, nothing I can bring to the table, I'm just not good enough. Because somebody else has spoken lies into their lives, and they've listened to those lies forever. And now it's become a pattern of belief. It's those beliefs we've got to get rid of. That's why self-talk's critical, because it needs to be done through the Holy Spirit. All right, let's take a dig into this, because this is fun. 2 Corinthians 10. For though we walk in the flesh, in this body... We do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are, listen here, we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I think this is one of the greatest kept secrets. In the church, when it comes to living out a grace life, right there, taking every thought captive, not everybody wants to do this. It's work. It's work. It's not easy. It's not easy-peasy at all. In fact, it requires some thinking and commitment. God told Abraham and Moses, I'll give you everything you can see. He gave them direction. Go and walk. And he did not give them all the steps ahead of time. He said, just walk. Will you trust me? Open your mind and your faith to the possibilities that God has for you. What's holding you back today? Is it the negative thinking? Is it the fact you don't trust God? Oh, wait a minute. Maybe there's a problem as well. Maybe we just don't trust God. Because we don't know him very well. Maybe we think God is only the God of the big stuff, and doesn't deal with the little stuff. Oh, well, I can take care of this stuff, God. I'll only come to you for the big stuff. In his mind, everything is small stuff. All of it is. Why don't you go to him with your school Marks with your study problems, with your social problems, with your marriage problems, with your individual struggles. Why don't you go to him with, hey, I don't have enough money this week, or how am I going to provide for this or that? Why don't you go to him with those small things? They're big to you, but they're small to him. And then you begin to develop a relationship with the one who wants to know you, and even more, he wants you to know him and trust him. Do you remember we've talked about the idea of uh, trusting God for knowing his will and uh, sometimes people, at least the church, oops, the church I grew up in uh, kind of looked at the idea that if, if God's really going to call you to ministry, he's going to send you to the worst place possible, the one you're most afraid of. That's what your loving God does, right? So you're afraid to surrender and be totally open to your Heavenly Father because he just might send you to Africa, you know, or Moldova or wherever, you know, like these places that there's no way you'd want to go there. But guess what? Your Heavenly Father, first of all, He knows your desires. He's created them. He has also put in you the hunger switch so that when an idea comes up, you go, I like that. That's a great idea. Like when Candace and Sam got the invitation to go, there was a hook. There was a a turning on inside that was already there. It wasn't planted. It was already there by the Holy Spirit. So when the opportunity came, it was a natural, hey, this is a God thing. God works with our desires. Trust Him. Trust Him with the opportunities He lays before you and learn to seize them. You may not realize everything you hope for or even believe for, but one thing is certain. You will never accomplish things you don't believe God for because you will never have the faith to move forward towards those things. Will you learn to trust your Heavenly Father? And for some people, that may be what this is all about. Learning to trust Him. With that comes a whole lot of unlearning. The idea that God's always mad or angry. That's baloney. That's the wrong God. Let's go back to one of the basics we've talked about here at Hope Fellowship. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. He and I are one. They're the same. God is just like Jesus. So, whatever picture we have in the Old Testament that makes us believe He's angry and upset and oh, He's dead—you know—you got to walk on tiptoes around Him. No, that was an unclear and incomplete picture of your Heavenly Father. The complete picture came in the person of Jesus Christ. Whatever is fully true of Jesus, the Son of God, is exactly true of the Father. You can learn to trust Him. He's for you, not against you. The best way to renew your mind is to speak the Word of God to yourself. At the very end of the message today, I'm going to read to you from something Dr. Steve McVeigh compiled called A Love Letter from the Book of Isaiah. And what he did, he he read through Isaiah, and and God allowed him to pull out some really, really neat truths, and he made a a, a song, psalm compilation. And I, I want to end by speaking truth into your minds proper self-talk from a God perspective. I think that'll, that'll hit home, I hope, for many of you. If you want a grace-based outlook, then allow God to renew your mind. Allow him to create in you positive self-talk that comes from him. Especially when the talks come that I am no good. You are good. God made you good. Now be good. But I don't fully believe it. Well then, let's start working on that so you fully believe it, so you can live out what God has already planned for you to live out. Remember, it's he that's in you, willing you, and giving the power to do the work he's called you to do. He's called you to do a lot of work. There's a lot of work. It could be at your job, whatever job you're at. It could be here in the church. It could be in the community. It could be serving, giving, going and traveling, whatever it is. He's at work. He's got a plan for you. All right. Let's dig in. We experience a grace-based outlook by our attitude, and we express it by our actions. So how do we then express a grace-based attitude. First, we develop grace-filled actions. Developing grace-filled actions. We experience a grace-based outlook by our attitude, and we express it through how we live. Isaiah says, they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. You are an oak of righteousness. First of all, you are righteous. Whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, the scriptures have declared you righteous and the righteousness you have is the righteousness of Jesus Christ in you. It's not anything you did to become more righteous. It's impossible to become perfectly righteous when you already are. Good luck. And yet there's a treadmill of believers who are trying hard to become somebody they already are. Which means they're believing a lie. Listen to this. The activity of our lives stems from our identity. The things we do is not what gives us our identity, but our actions are the outgrowth of who we are at the core of our being. That's why I hammer identity so hard here so that people will live from their identity instead of trying to do things to become somebody they already are. You're forgiven. You're clean. He's given you a good attitude. Use it. (laughs) It's powerful. Grace is the divine enablement for us to be all that we can all that we have been called to be and do all that we've been called to do. It is the God-given capacity to live a supernatural life. You can accomplish more in Christ in a day than you can do on your own in 10 lifetimes. Trying to help God out doesn't work. I have proved that over the last 25 years. There are lots of stories of where I tried to help God out get me to where I think I should go. And He's let me experience the journey. If <laughs> I learn to listen to Him, learn to trust Him, not try so hard, it's okay to try. I found a graceful way to understand trying. Trust Jesus to be your trier then. Instead of self-effort trying. <laughs> Isaiah said that we'll be called the oaks of righteousness. Take a look at an oak seed for a minute. What do you, an acorn goes in the ground. What grows out of that? What do you get? What kind of tree? Oak tree. Very good. Yeah, I know. Simple science. However... I believe everything that's in that little, in that um, oak seed, everything that is fully of that tree is contained in there. Everything that it needs. Then the elements help it grow. The water, the nutrients, everything helps it become the thing it's designed to be. You don't plant an acorn and get an apple tree. Doesn't happen. You get an acorn. Now, question. As the sapling grows, does it become oakier as it gets bigger? No, it's fully there. Now here's a lesson for you and I. We are one with Christ. The seed of Christ is in us. We are called to grow up. Nobody is fully matured in faith. We're still learning and developing and trying out stuff. Trying and testing to learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit. It's okay to do that. It's okay to forgive others when they really screw up as they're on their journey. That's what the church is for, to have a safe place for us to try, develop, mature, and grow. Whoops, who's doing that? All right. Now, let's exercise faith boldly as well. This is big. Oops. Hang on. Wrong. Daniel 435. All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He has the power to do as he pleases among the angels of heaven and with those who live on earth. No one can stop him or challenge him, saying, "What do you mean by doing these things?" Your heavenly Father is in charge. I am. I'm trying to learn, trusting that He's my trier. Um, trying to learn how does it work if God is fully in charge. Is he fully in control? What does that mean? And don't try answering that today because there's a lot of questions that go with that. I do believe he is in full control. I don't think he's making us puppets. I think he allows us to choose and he provides the opportunities for us to choose. He's in control. But I don't think he's manipulating every little tiny little thing and yet he's the God of outcomes. I see enough in Scripture to show me he's got a plan. Take a look at the story of of Joseph, for one. Right from the beginning, his whole life was planned out. All these things, going to prison, being sold, the setup was classic. And yet, he was given choice through all those things. God's not a puppet master. He's given you vision. He's given you a dream. And he wants you to live the dream he's given you to dream. Listen for it. Watch for it. God's going to do what he wants to do. There are people who have fought against God, and God has radically changed their minds. The Apostle Paul is one of them. Recently, I'm seeing more and more stories of Muslims who are coming to faith because God spoke to them, not some person. It was so radical, it had to have been God, and boom, it happened. Are you going to trust the Holy Spirit to be in charge or not? Are you going to trust the God of outcomes? Because your attitude will matter in this your attitude will be determined do I trust him if the answer is yes then everything else we can surrender that easily surrender is the big key here surrender your plan the one that you may have taken over from God and said I'm going to help him out with this I think I should go this way or I want this for my kid Ooh, that was, that's a, try being a parent that one's, that one's going to get testy we want the best for our kids don't we but I trust my Heavenly Father to be in charge of my kids and their future. I really do. Developing grace-filled actions, exercise faith to act boldly, and right along with that, act decisively in choosing your course. Exercise faith to act boldly. God has wired you in such a way as to cause you to make choices that you do. Your personality, your environment, your history, each one of you has a unique past, causing you to think a certain way, You've experienced life in a certain manner, but you also need each other. Because your perspective is not the only one. He's, he's designed the church, the family of God, to learn from each other and to function together as one body. And he's the head. He's in charge of it. He gets the guide and direct. I've been asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what is the purpose of fellowship? Yeah, we got a purpose statement. That's nice and critically important. But is there something you want us to do? And all I've heard so far is, I know what I need to do is keep equipping. But he's going to raise up visionaries here that are going to go out and do their thing. And they're going to share their stories and others are going to join them. And it's going to be kingdom stuff. Not just about Hope Fellowship. It could be totally in the community. It has nothing to do with propping up a church. This has to do with Jesus in you and how has he wired you and how does he wants you to go serve and love others Unconditionally. It's very powerful. You have the mind of Christ. These are promises. You have the mind of Christ. You're possessed with Christ. (laughs) Isn't that great? You're possessed by Christ. (laughs) I don't hear that terminology in church too much. But anyway, you are. He's in you. You're one with him. He's not you. You're not him. But you're one with Jesus Christ. And that changes everything. Everything. Proverbs 28, one says, The wicked flee when no one is pursuing, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Careful. I used to think, Oh, he didn't make us all timid. So now I've got to be a jerk and be really loud and in your face. That's not what that means. Here's the answer. But of power and love and Discipline. He has given you power. But it's going to do it with love, and you need to understand what agape in you means. That changes everything. The love of God controls things. And with discipline. Lastly, don't second-guess God's will after you've decided in faith. This is a big problem. I, I spent nine months worrying about this. Oh, crap. What did I do? And I was scared. And it wasn't the only time I was scared, but that was the most obvious time for me because I like to be happy and positive and, you know, my role makes me have to be that and sometimes you fake it, but I don't try to fake it. I want to be real. I want to be transparent. And in this, this is big. Don't second guess after you've decided in faith. Many have believed they were missing God's best if they judged their circumstances. If take a look in the Bible for a minute, Moses was up against the Red Sea. Was Moses in God's will? Yes. Was he scared? Yes. Did he doubt? Oh, yeah. We don't have the whole emotional um, journal from him. That'd be really cool to find. <laughs> Yikes. Daniel in the fiery furnace. when he's about to be thrown in Oh sorry, when they, uh, the guys were in the furnace there. Do you think they were scared other wits? Absolutely. Completely. Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail. Oh, maybe we shouldn't have preached Jesus. Hmm. John on Patmos. Uh oh, what do I do now? Right? You know, who knows? God uses these things. Jesus on the cross. Did Jesus make a mistake? Maybe I shouldn't have said that to those guys. <laughs> Look what I get for getting crucified. Well, that was his plan. It was a radical setup. God was at work in it. In fact, on the cross, the beauty of this is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Do you remember that text? Where did God reconcile the world to himself? Where did it take place? On the cross. God was in Christ. He was not absent. This is good news. This is radical good news. God did not turn his back. Read through Psalm 22, 23, and 24. It's the whole Easter story right there. Psalm 22 begins with, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's how the psalm starts. That's how Jesus was proclaiming. He didn't read the whole psalm. He declared the truth that was in it. And later on in the psalm, you'll see, he cannot forsake. He cannot leave. He does not do that. Emotionally, Jesus may have felt that God wasn't there. And he was, oh, maybe, maybe that was a positive self-talk for a moment. <laughs> maybe he needed that. I don't know. There's lots to learn here. There are some promises we can claim. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Are you discouraged today? Have you lost hope? Have you lost a vision? Do you need a new vision? Are you questioning the vision you think you got? got? Now you have so many visions, you don't know which one is the one from God. Will you trust him? Will you surrender all of it? He's big enough to get you on track. What he began in you, he is going to finish. That's a promise. Has he begun a work in you? He's put himself in you. Of course he has. That is the guarantor. The Holy Spirit is in you. He's not absent from you. He's in you. He's with you. You're never alone. I love Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Shall. I will. Determined. Clear. Promise. Psalm 31. Your goodness is so great you have stored up great blessings for those who honor you. You have done so much for those who come to you for protection, blessing them even before the watching world. And lastly, Isaiah 61.3 says, You are the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. And if he planted you, he's going to nurture you, water you, and grow you. What he started, he will see finished. Do not lose hope. Do not lose hope. For what he began, he will complete. That's huge. Huge. Isaiah. I would like you guys to, you don't have to, because I'm not telling you what to do, but I recommend you close your eyes and listen to this God self talk to you from Isaiah. Let it speak to your heart. Learn how to hear his voice into your soul. But what I'm reading, if it sounds like it's coming from me into your ears and into you, you've got it backwards. It's already in you. It's resonating with who is already in you and who actually wrote these words. A love letter from your Heavenly Father, taken from the book of Isaiah. My dear child... I always long to be gracious to you, waiting to show you my compassion. You are my servant, and I have chosen you, not rejected you. Never be afraid, because I am always with you. Don't be anxious about things going on around you, because I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. I am the one who has named you, and you are mine. You're so precious in my sight. You are honored, and I love you. Don't dwell on things that have already happened or ponder things in the past. I will do something new. Do you want to see it? I will make a way when there is no way. I will go before you and make the rough places smooth. I will shatter the barriers that block your way and give you treasures, wealth from secret places that you will know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you by name. I am your teacher and will no longer hide myself, but your eyes will see your teacher." Your ears will hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right or to the left, I have already worked out wonders, plans formed long ago with perfect faithfulness. Your peace is established on the fact that I have already performed all your works for you. I will be the stability of your times. Don't you know? haven't you heard i'm the everlasting god the lord the creator of the ends of the earth i never become weary or tired my understanding is inscrutable i will give you strength when you are weary when you lack might i will give you power even young men stumble badly but you wait on me and you will gain new strength You will mount up like an eagle with outstretched wings. You will run and won't get tired. You will keep walking and not grow weary. Don't be afraid because I've redeemed you. I've called you by name and you're mine. Whenever you pass through deep waters, I will be with you. No flood will drown you. Whenever you are going through the fire, you won't be burned. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Listen to me. You have been carried by me since the day you were born from the womb. That will never change. I will still be the same, carrying you all the way to your old age. When your hair has all turned gray, I'll still be carrying you. I always have and always will. I will forever hear you and continuously deliver you. I am God, and there's nobody else like me. I determine everything from the beginning to the end. Even the things which happened haven't happened yet. My purposes will be established. Every one of them will be accomplished for my own good pleasure. Everything I say I will do. I planned it and it I, I planned it and you can be assured that it will happen. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you to the way you should go. Can a woman forget her nursing child? Will she stop showing compassionate love to the son whom she gave birth to? Even if she does, I won't forget you. I have written you on the palm of my hands. Wait on me in hope and you will never be put to shame. I have sworn to you that I will never be angry with you again. My Loving kindness will never be removed from you. My covenant with you will never be shaken. I will always have compassion on you. Eat what you want and delight yourself in abundance. You will be called my delight because I do delight in you. I will forever rejoice over you, always, your loving Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, speak this truth into our hearts today. Help us move from negative attitudes into God-inspired ones, inspired by the life of Christ already in us. Make our ears attentive to hear your voice, to recognize it, so we can walk in truth and obedience. The obedience that comes from an awesome desire that you've placed in us to want to, not out of duty but rather delight. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Amen.